All of Jesus for all the world. Our world needs Jesus right now, doesn't it? Uh, wow. And in all of the brokenness of what we're experiencing today, uh, this week, I'd get a free moment. I'd tell Mary, I said, I keep on checking just to see what's the latest on Ukraine. What's happening? God, are you, what are you doing? And, and, uh, and I'm getting a question I want to address today from the scripture, and it's this, that uh, it's been asked probably three or four times this week. One guy asked me on Thursday, he said, uh, hey, PJ, he says, do you, do you think that all that's happening right now has something to do with the second coming of Jesus, the return of Jesus? How would you answer that question? I said, well, I think a lot of events that God is, he's working in all of it. Even in the brokenness, the wicked acts of evil rulers, God can turn evil even to good. Do I know for sure that Jesus is going to come soon, like in the coming months? I don't know that. I don't think anybody knows that. There's been times throughout history that there have been wars and rumors of wars and earthquakes and devastating natural you know, disasters, and people have thought, this is it, this is it. I really believe Jesus could come tonight, or he might wait another 500 years. Right. You know what's fascinating? Is that not even Jesus knew when he was going to come again. Do you know that? You go, uh, can you prove that to me from the scripture? Let's listen to his own words. Matthew chapter 24, verse 36. We're gonna eventually turn to this chapter if you wanna turn there, but in verse 36, it says this. No one knows the day or hour when these things will happen, not even the angels in heaven, or who? The son himself. Only the father knows. So not even Jesus knew, at least at that time. He says only the father knows, but here's what we know. You and I can know how we're supposed to live today and until the day Jesus comes again, right? We know what assignment we've been given. We know that, that Jesus, at some point, as we just saying, he's going to bring healing and restoration to this planet, and he's going to have us live with him forever in an eternal, stunningly beautiful home. I, I find myself this last year just more and more saying, come Lord Jesus, come quickly, like we read in the last chapter of the Bible. But what is it that the assignment is? Like if we don't know exactly when Jesus is going to come, we don't know when our time is up here, we don't know when the last page of our earthly chapter is, but we know where our future is with him, but what, how are we supposed to live in the meantime? What's our assignment? Let's turn to Matthew chapter 24 and take a look. If you don't have a paper Bible, you can look at the Bible app. And, uh, and if you didn't get notes on your way, and those notes are at all the tables near the doors, and those of you engaging online, or if you're, those of you here in the room, you can just go to our homepage, gracemay.org, and you'll see the bulletin. And first thing in the bulletin are the message notes, and, and it's gonna be helpful for you to follow along. Want to just say a huge hello to all of you who are engaging at live.gracemay.org or any other platform, YouTube or whatever, homes all over Northeast Ohio, including some of my family. I love you. And, uh, and, and some are watching at Lorraine Correctional Institute. Uh, more on that in a little bit, but really glad to have you with us. You guys are getting some applause there. Um, so uh, we'll talk more about that in just a little bit. Matthew 24 is known as the Olivet Discourse because Jesus was teaching from the Mount of Olives. Probably called that because there were trees that had olives on the trees, right? And so he's, you, know, you're, you guys are brilliant this morning. You had your coffee. And, uh, and so uh, he's teaching from there. And let's listen in verse one. Here's what happens. 
Jesus left the temple and was walking away when his disciples came up to him to call his attention to the buildings. Like, whoa, are these amazing or what? And Jesus says, do you see all these things? Truly I tell you, not one stone here will be left on another. Every one will be thrown down. As Jesus was sitting on the Mount of Olives, the disciples came to him privately. Tell us, Lord, they said, when will this happen? And what will be the sign of your coming and of the end of the age? They have the same questions we do, right? When is all this going to end? Like, how do, we, how do we know for sure? And in the following verses, Jesus highlights some dashboard indicators that signal his return. So he talks about wars and about famine and about martyrdom and death and worldwide chaos. Any of that sound familiar? Yeah, a little bit of it. And, and we, we, you might go, John, does that mean we're experiencing like the end times right now? I think we're in the end times. I just don't know how long they're going to last because history has been replete with situations like this, and so it's hard to know what exactly is going to happen. But we do know what he's called us to do. And it's the last sign or the one that we want to focus in on today that is not just something that happens around us or to us, but something that we get to participate in that you and I can be a part of that Jesus is saying, I'm inviting you to to be a part of my return. And how do we do that? Here's what it says in verse 14. It's going to be on the screen. You can read it from your own uh, Bible if you'd like. But could we say this one aloud together? This is our key verse for today. Let's say it together. You ready? And this gospel of the kingdom will be preached in the whole world as a testimony to all nations, and then the end will come. There's a lot packed in there. That's both an invitation and a commission. Jesus is inviting us to be a part of what he's doing. So let's sort of dive in here and, and, uh, and then apply this, like, how does, what does this look like for us today? Okay, we'll get real practical. So three things here. First of all, what's the message? Who's our audience? And what does Jesus promise when we participate with him? First of all, the message is clear. It's the good news of Jesus. He says, this gospel of the kingdom. What does he mean by that? In the the New Testament, that phrase, the gospel of the kingdom, summarizes everything that has to do with the message, the life of Jesus, like why he came, what, what he intended to do, how he came as God who had become one of us because he loved us and he was on a mission. So he breaks into our world and he says, I'm here to heal and restore and he gives his life. And he opens the door so that you and I can experience what the Heavenly Father always intended for us, that we can experience forgiveness and adoption into God's family and purpose for living today and eternal life in heaven. And we could just add to that. He gives you a new start. If you're feeling right now you're in your life, you're like, I don't even know what's going on in my life. My life is so, I've got crisis and this going on. Jesus wants to, he's not waiting for you to fix yourself and then like, all right, now you can become a Christian. You're getting your life together. He's no, I want to come into your brokenness. I'll come in with your broken life, anxiety, whatever you're going through. And I want, I want to walk you to the place that I intend for you to be. So this is good news for, for whom? Well, that's the next part is for everybody. He says, this gospel, of the kingdom will be preached Where? In in the whole world, as a testimony to people in what? All nations. All nations. And so this was a shock to the early disciples. They thought that the Messiah's focus was going to be on Jerusalem and making sure the temple was going well. And it was sort of a nationalistic kind of faith, you know, that 
that, uh, that God, he's going to free us from Roman oppression. And so they viewed him as like the Messiah. He's going to come like on a stallion. He's going to like destroy and vanquish our foes. And Jesus goes, no, this is actually not going to happen. I'm going to come in on a donkey. I'm going to be killed and beaten. I'm going to die like really early death. Why? Because he said, that's the way that, that I can be a sacrifice so that you can have a new beginning and the world can be restored and the curse of sin can be removed. And this isn't just about political deliverance or national kind of pride. This is about a renewed creation. This is about people in every, every nation. And so he talks about that. Uh, and it's not just, this isn't the only time Jesus delivered the Great Commission to his followers again and again. Uh, I've listed several occasions in your notes. Let me just pick one of those. Acts chapter 1, verse 8, he says, you'll receive power. This is written to us as well when the Holy Spirit comes on you. In other words, when you put your trust in Jesus, he comes by a spirit, lives in you, so that we can be his witnesses in Middlebrook Heights or North Royalton or Hankley or Lakewood or Rocky River or North Ridgeville or Parma or wherever you live, and in all Judea and Samaria, that's in your region and to the ends of the earth. It's and, and, and. It's Jerusalem, that's local, it's Judea, and Samaria, that's regional, it's to the ends of the earth, that's global. We reflect Jesus. He says, I, this, is, this is the good news. I've, I've come to restore your life, uh, and it's for all people. That means it's for my family, it's for my neighbors, for my colleagues, it's for my community, in fact, can I just tell you, that's happening in so many ways as a church family, but sometimes I get to hear the stories and Mary and I say, I wish people could all hear what God is doing in different ways. So this past uh, week, I had a conversation with one of the leaders at our, our, uh, in our church, Scott Lessing, and, and he gave me an update on the way that the good news is going out that you might not know about it right here in our own area. Rather than me tell you, let me have you hear from Scott. Here's that little clip. Scott, one of the things we've been talking about here is the good news that we've been given to share with people. And we've talked about that being here, there, and everywhere. Tell us about a recent initiative that you've just seen God open up doors. Yeah, we've been invited by Lorraine Correctional and the warden there to have our next campus be planted there. And so we're changing it a little bit. It's there, here, and everywhere. So we just had our first service on Monday, this past Monday, and we're so excited. We had two services on Monday, and God has called us to be there and love the guys really well. Now, you have a number of, it's not just a worship service. You have some right. other things happening. Tell us about that. Yeah, so we have about 32 people who have been trained by the warden on how, how we can be in and amongst that community, this community. So uh, we have two services on Monday. We have Alpha that's going to be launching, Galvanized, which is our Christian recovery wow. group that will be launching. And we also have a HERE ministry that will probably be launching in a few months. And what we're really excited about with that, with the HERE ministry, mm -hmm. is that we are going to be also ministering to loving well the families of the guys who are at Lorraine. So we, we're going to have um, job seekers that's going to be working with uh, the families, financial planning, who are going to be working with the families. We're also going to be working with the wives, the, the girlfriends, the, you know, the, the family members, the parents, the kids, so many people who are involved in that one person's life who is at Lorraine. So we, we want to love the entire family, the entire community 
who impacts that one person who uh, we believe God loves them all. Yeah. Well, let's talk about one person. Then. Yeah. Uh, what's one example of how Jesus is at work in someone's life? Yeah. So I have a discipleship group that I'm uh, I meet with every week, and I'm going to change the guy's name, but at the correctional at the correctional institute, and his name is Johnny, and Johnny is um, an APA, and and what. There's a difference. There's two different communities out there, right? So one is the cadre. These guys are serving a longer sentence. And then the APA guys, they're serving eight months or less. They broke parole and they're in there for eight months or less. And then they'll be released and back home. And so Johnny really wants to change his life. He wants to be a transformed man. He does not want to be the same guy he used to be. And when he was incarcerated previously, he was a Christian. And when he went back to the streets, then everything changed. He went back to his old ways. And Johnny said to me, he said, you know, Scott, I want to be a a better dad for his daughter. He wants to be a good husband for his future wife. They're engaged. And he wants to live differently. He doesn't want to be the same guy he was before. And so those are the people that we're serving that God's called us just to love well. And so that's what we're doing. And we're very, very excited about that. And there's an openness. You said that there are two sort of hurdles that every incarcerated person seems to face. Right. And you said those are... Trauma. Every single person in the incarcerated community has experienced trauma and brokenness. Hmm. And so we we just, we want to be there for them and talk about their trauma, um, have them talk about their brokenness, and we want to just bring that before the Lord and have them have this amazing relationship with God the way that they can. It opens a door, doesn't it? It really does. Well, for Johnny and for hundreds more that he represents, may there be life transformation. Yes. Thanks, sure. God. Yeah. yeah. Thanks. Hey, would you let the guys from Lurian Correctional know that you're cheering them on? And to those of you at Lorraine Correctional watching, uh, whether you're incarcerated or staff, we want you to know that you are loved and we thank the Lord for you, and we look forward to meeting you in person. I had someone after the uh, last service uh, come up to me, a wife, and she said, you started talking, she said, I had no idea. She said, my husband's in the county jail, and he's going to Grafton tomorrow. And she said, I could not believe that you have something going on, and that my husband's gonna have that as an opportunity. And I thought, God, there's, a, and I've had a family member who was at Grafton. There are so many people, some of you, you think, you know, does anyone around here know that I've, I've served some time? Uh, Jesus restores and heals and takes our brokenness. And so it's a way that if you're saying, I'd like to be involved, because we're going to be actually, there's another prison, uh, correctionalist too, that would like us to come as well, uh, that maybe you want to get involved. You'll hear more uh, about an informational meeting coming up soon. So it's here, there, and everywhere that we get to be a part. So let's go back to what Jesus said. He said, this gospel of the kingdom, this good news is going to be preached, proclaimed, shared in the whole world as a testimony to all nations. And then he makes a promise. And then what? And then the end will come. He goes, if you want to know the clearest sign, he goes, I I want my good news to get to everybody. And he wanted everyone to know, and his disciples got that. In fact, Peter later writes in his letter in 2 Peter 3, he says, you know why the Lord, (coughs) excuse me, you might think he's being slow in keeping his promise to come again. He goes, he's just patient. Like he loves people so much, he doesn't want anybody to perish, but to have everlasting life. Here's the problem. 
There's more than 7 billion people alive today, and researchers say that over 2 billion of those people have never heard about Jesus or to have a relationship with him. And no way of finding out. And friends, that's why we as a church give attention to this. We want to highlight what Jesus is doing around the world, how we can be a part to say, God, this is news that's too good not to share. You've given us an opportunity uh, to, to share what we have. Like to, to do anything less than that would be an injustice, right? Now let me just share a story that I think is such a compelling account. <coughs> Excuse me, is from Israel's history. And it's in 2 Kings chapter 7. You don't have to turn there. I'm just going to read a portion of the story. But uh, it, it, it sort of is an illustration we're talking about today. Here's the setting. Israel as a nation is being attacked. They're being overwhelmed by this army that's far greater, more powerful than they are. A little bit like something else we're watching in the world today. But God can do anything, right? So let's listen and see what happens here. Second Kings chapter 7. The, all the people are holed up in this city and there are these four lepers on the outskirts of town because if you know anything about leprosy, back then you couldn't be anywhere near people who were healthy. So here's what takes place. Now there were four men, these are four men from Israel with leprosy sitting at the entrance of the city gates. <clears throat> Why should we sit here waiting to die? They asked each other. We'll starve if we stay here because they're being holed up, surrounded. But with the famine in the city, we will starve if we go back there. And so we might as well go out and surrender to the Aramean, this powerful army. If they let us live, so much the better. But if they kill us, we would have died anyway. So at twilight, they set out for the camp of the Arameans. But when they came to the edge of the camp, no one was there. For the Lord had caused the Aramean army to hear the clatter of speeding chariots and galloping of horses and the sounds of a great army approaching. God can do anything, right? The king of Israel has hired the Hittites and Egyptians to attack as they cried to one another. So they panicked, <clears throat> ran into the night, abandoning their tents, horses, donkeys, and everything else as they fled for their lives. When the men with leprosy arrived at the edge of the camp, they went into one tent after another, eating, and these guys are having a party. <laughs> they carried off silver and gold and clothing and hid it. Finally, they said to each other, this isn't right. This is a day of what? Of good news. And we aren't, what? Sharing it with anyone. If we wait until morning, some calamity will certainly fall upon us. Come, let's go back and tell the people. Let's tell them, right? Because good news is meant to be shared, right? They have plenty for everybody. Like their people are starving back in the city and they go, we found this treasure. We have this great news. We can't keep this news to ourselves, right? So true today as well. Friends, you and I, it's like we've stumbled upon someone passed along the good news to you. It might've been a college roommate, maybe a colleague at work. Maybe it was a relative. It was your mom. It was somebody who helped you to begin a personal relationship with Jesus and you've encountered the good news and it's news that's too good not to share, right? It's intended for us. He says this gospel of the kingdom will be preached in the whole world. It's going to happen. The question is, are we going to be a part of what God is doing in the world today? So on the back of your notes, and if you haven't looked there yet, this is my 
my invitation for you to check this out because seven ways to get involved in what God is doing around the world today. What's your next step? My goal is to make this really practical, okay? So here we go. Number one, live your faith if you put your trust in Jesus. If, you've, uh, if you're in process, you're like, I don't know where I am in my relationship with God. Kind of say, I'm really glad you're here. Uh, it's good to be in process. You're in some sense, you haven't eat. You're, you're looking in, you're investigating. And just keep on opening your heart up to Jesus and say, Jesus, I, I'm trying to figure this out. But when you come to the place of realizing he gave his life for me, and I want to surrender my life back to him and just trust him, and you receive forgiveness, adoption to his family, eternal life, all that, you know what he asks you to do? Live your faith. Before you share your faith, live your faith. Titus chapter 2 says that by the way you do your work even in your workplace, you can make the teaching about God our Savior attractive. I want to ask you, do you make the teaching about Jesus attractive by the way you live your life in your home? and your workplace, at school, wherever you go. to people, is there something about you that people go, I, I want what you have? It was eight weeks ago today that uh, on a Sunday night that we ushered my mom into the presence of Jesus. Took her final breath as we're all sitting around her, all nine of her kids, either virtually or in person, and we're singing to her. And we started to hear comments from people. They wrote a note or they came to the visitation. And one comment we heard over and over again was about mom's kindness, her gentleness. One woman said, you know, when I came, met your mom for the first time, she said, I was going through a divorce. My heart was ripped. I felt betrayed. She said, your mom, her gentleness and her smile, just, she goes, I felt loved by her. And I always will look for your mom, like, to, um, even when I, you know, I just have, I, I find her at church. Mom was always sitting up here in the front corner and she said, because your mom, there's something about her. I just felt loved. Live your faith. Do people see something different in you? Before you try to share the good news, you, you be the good news, right? How about this second one? Pray, pray. If you really believe there's a spiritual battle taking place, this is one of our best investments I'm moved by what author Sidlow Baxter said. You'll see it in your notes there and on the screen. He said, people may spurn our appeals, reject our message, oppose our arguments. You have anybody like that in your life? They're like, I want nothing to do with your faith. But they are helpless against our what? Our prayers. There are people that I care about and love who do not want me to talk to them about faith. You probably have someone like that in your life. You know what I can do? I can keep on asking my Father in heaven. He never gets annoyed with me or with you. And he loves the people I pray for even more than I do. I was visiting a friend recently at his office, and he has a, a prayer wall in the corner so that if he's talking to people like me on the phone, he's getting bored. No, I'm just teasing. That's not what he... Uh, but he can look at the prayer wall, and he, can, he has post-it notes, and he prays for people and, and just lifts them up. And, and during the day, it's, it's a visual reminder you might have a prayer wall. It could be on your bathroom mirror, on your fridge, or in the dash of your car, wherever, a place where you see and you go, God, I just want to bring these people to you. There's a spiritual battle going on, and God, I want to pray. Number three, stay informed. I'm probably not alone in being one who's checking the news a little more frequently and just seeing is there something new happening in Ukraine or that's, that's not a bad thing to, to check out, although can I just encourage you not to become so just addicted to the news that you forget to look at the perspective that God is in charge. 
He laughs at wicked rulers. And we saw last week, I mentioned my prayer, he's gonna one day sweep them away. Putin will be overcome. There's no question. So stay informed about what God is doing. And you're not gonna hear that generally on the news, so what do you do? I put in your notes, uh, you can get a, a free subscription to a magazine called The Alliance Life. It's an award-winning magazine. In fact, one of our own staff members has a poem in this month's issue. You can even see it online as well. But it just gives you a sense of what God is doing around the world. And, and you can, you can uh, find out, like, man, here's how people are coming to know Jesus. Here's what's happening in different countries around the world, how God is using ordinary people like us to do extraordinary stuff. And, uh, and also, in addition to something like that, check out a, a biography. Uh, my, some of you might know I was named after a missionary to China from the early 1900s. In fact, my middle name is his last name. If you want to find out what that is, ask me after the service. Some of you know. It's, I guarantee no one else in our church family has the same middle name as I do. And, uh, but I, my parents were reading his, his biography and were so moved by his life, they were like, we want our son to be like that. And so I have his books on my shelf and we would read other biographies to be inspired by people who had their, their, you know, their own weaknesses and insecurities and all the rest, but they trusted God in big ways. And, and we'd say, we want to be like them. I want to have a faith like that. I want to be inspired. So be informed. Next, make friends. It's as simple, if you want to share the good news, it's starting just by saying, this is the way of Jesus, right? He became a friend to people. He'd go to their homes for meals. He, he hung out with people. And, and you know, we can, have, we can do that here in Cleveland among your neighbors and, and others, but you can touch the nations here in Cleveland as well. There's two organizations that dozens of people partner with here at Grace. Uh, one is called the Hope Center and one is International Friendships. And both of them reach out to people who are newer to our country who uh, are dealing with culture shock and maybe with loneliness and are going like maybe language barriers. And they just want to know, like, do people even want me here? And if we can say, we welcome you, we want to come alongside, what an impact uh, we can make. The Hope Center recently did a, a, a highlight video. I want to just show you uh, about a two and a half minute section of that. And just so you get a feel for what's happening about 15 minutes uh, from this campus, let's take a look. Cleveland, Ohio. It's on the far west side. Uh, the idea of actually being here and why we chose this area is that within uh, two miles of the Hope Center, there are about 2,000 refugees. And when we first came, it's been about seven years now, the people who came were in the area. And since we have been here, people have actually moved into the areas. So the Afghan people began to arrive in early October. They came to the U.S. Um, a few months before that. Uh, were on military bases, and then from the military bases began to arrive in Cleveland. In August of 2021, as the situation in Afghanistan continued to deteriorate and the troop withdrawal was imminent, Afghans started looking for any refuge or any place that would allow them to leave Afghanistan and find refuge here in the United States. About 35,000 of those individuals applied for something called humanitarian parole, which is allowing someone to come and be in the United States for a temporary period. Uh, when I came from Afghanistan to America, it was a very big change for me, a long journey. Uh, I was very exciting, and at the same time, I, very, I was very nervous. <laughs> and I thinking um, about my 
future what will be happen with me with my kids uh, where will we live where will, what should happen with ours prior to everything that happened after august 31st you know i would have said oh there's there's a community in cleveland it's um, not that large but it's a growing community and people have been coming from the uh, from afghanistan and we've seen that after august 31st we began to understand how large that community was and how much of an impact that this was having on that community. I think the Hope Center is a place of hope for so many because there's an authenticity here that people feel when they walk in. It's a place where you're heard, you're valued, and it's a place where you're provided the tools and the space to reach the goals you need to in a new environment. Isn't that great? Love what's happening. Eileen is part of the Grace family. Uh, right now, they're looking for people to help welcome uh, individuals to maybe make some refreshments, to help with an English class, pick up people in a van uh, to come for uh, citizenship classes, uh, to help people set up a home. I put links for both of those organizations, International Friendships and the Hope Center, in your notes today, and you can just a quick link. I wish I had time to tell you a story about someone who came to know uh, Jesus in a personal way but lots of stories about what God is doing. Now, you might hear something like that and go, oh, Jonathan, I wish I could, but I am like, my life is so out of whack right now, my schedule, I can't, and I get it, I get it. We all go through seasons, right? We go, I can't add one more thing. It, it, to do that, would, you'd be irresponsible to another responsibility in your life. But there's one more thing that all of us can do, and it's number six in your notes, and it's this, that we can give. I enjoy being generous. Um, I married someone who loves being generous even more than I do. So combined, um, Mary and I, we just are like, hey, can we do this? Can we, how can we live more simply so we can store up treasure in heaven? You know what? I, I don't know what that's going to look like. What, is he, what does Jesus mean when he says, by our giving today, you can store up treasure in heaven? But you know what I, I think? I think we're going to get to heaven someday. And someone's going to come up and say, um, hey, you know, the Lord told me it was because of your giving. You never visited my country or my, you know, you, you didn't visit my community in the U.S. or whatever, but it was because of your giving, you were a part of the team that helped me to come to a relationship with Jesus. I saw his love in action through this hospital you supported or through this outreach center or something else, and, and you had a part in my eternal destination being changed. And I think Mary and I are gonna high-five each other and go, I don't think we're, yeah, I don't think we're gonna look back and go, you know what, we probably should have kept more for ourselves I wish we wouldn't have been as generous, and I don't think we'll ever say that in heaven, right? We'll go, I just, man, maybe I could have given more. What could I have done? We can give to make an impact and, and be a part of what God is doing. This last week, we heard some testimonies. Soot and Sina, you'll see their picture on the screen, making a big impact in Cambodia. Wasn't that a great testimony last week? Uh, just what they're seeing God do in Cambodia. My sister Jessica spoke on Wednesday night. She's been in a West African country the last 15 years, a hospital for women and children that has a stellar reputation in the country. That's Jessica right there with the, uh, Elizabeth, who through the compassion of the hospital staff uh, came to a relationship with Jesus, um, died tragically, but know she, we know she's in heaven today because of because we've been a part of what God is, is doing uh, around the world. You and I get to be a part of that. God loves cheerful givers. Well, you'll see a couple more things there. You can see they're going on a short-term missions trip. We have a few people, uh, several people, going to West Africa, North Africa in the next two and four weeks. 
and there's other trips as COVID is sort of coming down, uh, countries are opening up, and you'll see uh, contact information and notes about what we can do in terms of short-term trips. But let's go back to our big point here before we close. We've got news to share, great news, but as someone has said, they said, good news is only good if it gets to people on time. Would you say that with me? You ready? Good news is only good if it gets to people on time. A cure doesn't help you if you're dead by the time you get the cure, right? Good news is only good. There are people today who need to hear the good news. I wonder if we can ask ourselves the question or, or take some inventory like those four lepers out in the, you know, they're raiding the tents and saying, it's not right that we keep this to ourselves. We've got to go and tell. We've got to go and tell. Some people and friends, when we do that, we can do it together. This isn't a solo task. Jesus is invited us to come and do this with him. To say, I want you to do as a family, a church family. And when we do, well, the promise of Jesus is what? Let's go back to the beginning. The title of the message, when will Jesus come again? He answers that question very clearly, right? He says, this gospel of the kingdom will be preached in the whole world as a testimony to all nations. And then what? The end will come. He's going to do it. The question is, are we going to participate in the greatest story being written today? He's inviting us. Let's ask him for wisdom, how he wants us to be involved. Would you pray with me? Jesus, we come to you today. I know, Lord, in my own life, I feel my limitations, my time. Sometimes I feel very ordinary. Uh, we feel like we're sometimes sort of messed up people. Uh, and the enemy wants to discourage us and put us on the bench, but you're inviting us to be a part of this story that you're writing. And so, Lord, we just say we're yours. Lord, whatever you can do in us or through us, here we are. And so would you cleanse us, empower us by your Holy Spirit, and lead us in the way you want us to go, Lord, that we'll, we'll be part of the impact that you want to see happen here and there and everywhere. We're yours, Lord. We want to be all about you and about the people you came to rescue. We ask you to do this in us and through us in your name. And everyone who wants to be a part said, amen, amen. amen.